Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a book by Thomas Brooks, the English nonconformist preacher and writer who died in 1680. The book is called The Private Key to Heaven. The Private Key to Heaven. And in this particular section, he's giving us 20 arguments for private prayer. We're going to do 9 through 12 today. Number nine, soul-enriching nature of private prayer. Ninthly, consider that secret duties are the most soul-enriching duties. Look, as, as secret meals make fat bodies, so secret duties make fat souls. As secret trade brings in great earthly riches, so secret prayers make many rich in spiritual blessings and in heavenly riches. Private prayer is that private key of heaven that unlocks all the treasures of glory to the soul. God usually gives the best riches and the sweetest mercies to his people when they are in their closets upon their knees. Look, as the warmth the chick finds by close sitting under the hen's wings cherishes them, so are the graces of the saints enlivened and cherished and strengthened by the sweet secret influences which their souls fall under when they are in their closet communion with God. Private prayer conscientiously performed is the private key of heaven that has unlocked such treasures and such secrets as has passed the skill of the cunningest devil to find out. Private prayer midwives the choicest mercies and the chiefest riches in upon us. Certainly, there are none so rich in gracious experiences as those that are most exercised in closet duties. This poor man cried, said David, and the Lord saved him out of all his troubles. David, pointing to himself, tells us that he cried, that is, silently and secretly, as Moses did at the Red Sea, and as Nehemiah did in the presence of the king of Persia. And the Lord saved him out of all his troubles. Oh, what additions were these deliverances to his experiences. Oh, my friends, look, as the tender dew that falls in the silent night makes the grass and herbs and flowers to flourish and grow more abundantly than great showers of rain that fall in the day, so secret prayer will more abundantly cause the sweet herbs of grace and holiness to grow and flourish in the soul than all those more open, public, and visible duties of religion, which too, uh, too often are mingled and mixed with the sun and wind of pride and hypocrisy. Beloved, you know that many times a favorite at court gets more by one secret motion, by one private request to his prince, than a tradesman or a merchant gets in twenty years' labor and pains. And so a Christian many times gets more by one secret motion, by one private request to the king of kings, than many others do by trading long in the more public duties of religion. O oh, sirs, remember that in private prayer we have a far greater advantage as to the exercise of our own gifts and graces and parts than we have in public. For in public we only hear others exercise their parts and gifts, 
In public duties, we are more passive, but in private duties, we are more active. Now, the more our gifts and parts and graces are exercised, the more they are strengthened and increased. All acts strengthen habits. The more sin is acted, the more it is strengthened, and so it is with our gifts and graces. The more they are acted, the more they are strengthened. Number 10. The Christian's Many Sins and Needs Tenthly, take many things together. All Christians have their secret sins. Who can understand his errors, the psalmist says. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Secret not only to other men, but to himself. Even such secret sins as grew from errors, which he understood not. It is incident to every man to err, and then to be ignorant of his errors. Many sins I see in myself, saith he, and more there are which I cannot espy, which I cannot find out. Nay, I think, saith he, that every man's sins do arise beyond his accounts. There is not the best, the wisest, nor the holiest man in the world that can give a full and entire list of his sins. Who can understand his errors? This interrogation hath the force of an affirmation. Who can? No man. No, not the most perfect and innocent man in the world. Friends, who can reckon up the secret sinful imaginations, the secret sinful inclinations, or the secret pride, the secret blasphemies, the secret hypocrisies, the secret atheistic risings, the secret murmurings, the secret repinings, the secret discontents, the secret insolences, the secret filthinesses, the secret unbelief that God might every day charge upon his soul. Should the best and holiest man on earth have but his secret sins every day written on his forehead, it, it would not only put him to a crimson blush, but it would make him pull his hat over his eyes or cover his face with a double scarf. What prayer and supplication soever be made by any man, or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart. Sin is the greatest plague in the world, but never more dangerous than when it reaches the heart. Now, secret sins commonly lie nearest the heart, the fountain from whence they take a quick, immediate, and continual supply. Secret sins are as near to original sin as the first droppings are to the spring head. And as every secret sin lies nearest the heart, so every secret sin is the plague of the heart. Now, as secret diseases are not to be laid open to everyone, but only to the prudent physician, so our secret sins, which are the secret plagues, the secret diseases of our souls, are not to be laid open to everyone, but only to the physician of souls, who is only able both to cure them and pardon them. And as all Christians have their secret sins, so all Christians have their secret temptations. And as they have their secret temptations, so they have their secret wants. Yea, many times they have such uh, particular and personal wants that there is not one in the congregation nor one in the family that has the like. And as they have their secret wants, 
So they have their secret fears and secret snares and secret straits and secret troubles and secret doubts and jealousies. How do all these things call aloud to every Christian to be frequent and constant in secret prayer? Number 11. Christ's delight in secret prayer. Consider, Christ is very much affected and delighted in the secret prayers of his people. O my dove that art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs, let me see thy countenance, let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. Christ observes his spouse when she is in the clefts of the rock, when she has gotten into a corner a-praying. He looks upon her with singular delight and with special intimations of his love. Nothing is more sweet, delightful, and welcome to Christ than the secret services of his people. Their secret breathings are like lovely songs to him. Their secret prayers in the clefts of the rock or under the stairs are as sweet incense to Jesus. The spouse retires to the secret places of the stairs not only for security, but also for secrecy that so she might the more freely, without suspicion of hypocrisy, pour out her soul into the bosom of her beloved. The great delight that parents take in the secret lispings and whisperings of their children is no delight to that which Christ takes in the secret prayers of his people. And therefore, as you would be friends and furtherers of Christ's delight, be much in secret prayer. And now we move to one last, rather lengthy argument, number 12. It's called Intimacy of Christ with Believers. Consider you are the only persons in all the world that God hath made choice to reveal his secrets to. He said, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Everything that God the Father had communicated to Christ as mediator to be revealed to his servants, he did make known to his disciples as to his bosom friends. Christ loves his people as friends, and he uses them as friends, and he opens his heart to them as friends. There is nothing in the heart of Christ that concerns the internal and eternal welfare of his friends, but he reveals it to them. He reveals himself, his love, his eternal goodwill, the mysteries of faith, and the secrets of his covenant to his friends. Christ loves to entertain his friends with things that are not commonly and vulgarly known. Christ will reveal the secrets of his mind, the secrets of his love, the secrets of his thoughts, the secrets of his heart, and the secrets of his purposes to all his bosom friends. Samson could not hide his mind, his secrets, from Delilah, though it cost him his life. And do you think that Christ can hide his mind, his secrets, from them for whom he hath laid down his life? Surely not. Oh, sirs, Christ is a universal friend, an omnipotent friend, an almighty friend. He is no less than thirty times called almighty in that book of Job. He can do above all expressions and beyond all apprehensions. He is an omniscient friend. He is an omnipresent friend. He is an indeficient friend that is unfailing. 
He is an independent friend. He is an unchangeable friend. He is a watchful friend. He is a tender and compassionate friend. He is a close and faithful friend. Therefore, he cannot but open and unbosom himself to all his bosom friends. To be reserved and close is against the very law of friendship. Uh, Faithful friends are very free in imparting their thoughts, their minds, their secrets one to another. A real friend accounts nothing worth knowing unless he makes it known to his friends. He rips up his greatest and most inward secrets to his friends. Job calls his friends inward friends, or the the men of his secrets. All Christ's friends are inward friends. They are the men of his secrets. His secret is with the righteous, Proverbs 3.32. That is, his covenant and fatherly affection, which is hid and secret from the world. He that is righteous in secret, where no man sees him, he is the righteous man to whom God will communicate his closest secrets, as to his dearest bosom friend. It is only a bosom friend to whom we will unbosom ourselves. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Now, there are three sorts of divine secrets. First, there are secrets of providence, and these he reveals to the righteous and to them that fear him. The prophet Amos speaks of these secrets of providence. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Amos 3.7 Micah knew the secret of the Lord, touching Ahab, which neither Zedekiah nor any other of the false prophets knew. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? The destruction of Sodom was a secret that lay in the bosom of God, but Abraham... Being a bosom friend, God communicates this secret to him. Abraham was a friend, a faithful friend, a friend by a specialty, that is, a special contract or bond. And therefore God makes him both of his court and counsel. Oh, how greatly doth God condescend to his people. He speaks to them as a man would speak to his friend. And there are no secrets of providence, which may be for their advantage, but he will reveal them to his faithful servants. As all faithful friends have the same friends and the same enemies, so they are mutual in the communication of their secrets one to another. And so it was between God and Abraham. Secondly, there are the secrets of his kingdom, and these he reveals to his people. It is given unto you, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Let us not think, said Jerome, that the gospel is in the words of Scripture, but in the sense, not in the outside, but in the morrow, not in the leaves of words, but in the root of reason. Augustine humbly begged of God that if it were his pleasure, he would send Moses to him to interpret some more abstruse and intricate passages in his book of Genesis. There are many choice, secret, hidden, and mysterious truths and doctrines in the gospel, which Christ reveals to his people that this poor, blind, ignorant world are strangers to. There are many secrets wrapped up in the plainest truths and doctrines of the gospel which none can effectually open and reveal 
but the Spirit of the Lord that searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. There are many secrets and mysteries in the gospel that all the learning and labor in the world can never give a man insight into. There are many that know the doctrine of the gospel, the history of the gospel, that are mere strangers to the secrets of the gospel. There is a secret power, a secret authority, a secret efficacy, a secret prevalence, a secret goodness, a secret sweetness in the gospel that none experience but those to whom the Lord is pleased to impart gospel secrets to. Seal the law among my disciples, it says in Isaiah. The law of God to wicked men is a sealed book that they cannot understand in Daniel. It is as blotted paper that they cannot read. Look, as a private letter to a friend contains secret matter that no man else may read because it is sealed, so the law of grace is sealed up under the privy seal of heaven so that no man can open it or read it except Christ's faithful friends to whom it is sent. The whole scripture, saith Gregory, is but one entire letter dispatched from the Lord Christ to his beloved spouse on earth. The rabbis say that there are four keys that God has under his girdle, the key of the clouds, the key of the womb, the key of the grave, the key of food. I may add a fifth key, and that is the key of the word, the key of the scripture, which key none can turn but he that hath the key of David, according to Revelation 3, 7, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Sirs, God reveals himself and his mind and will and truth to his people in a more friendly and familiar way than he does to others. And he said unto them, his disciples, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Though great doctors and profound clerks and deep-studied but unsanctified divines may know much of the doctrines of the gospel and commend much the doctrines of the gospel and dispute much for the doctrines of the gospel and glory much in the doctrines of the gospel and take a great deal of pains to dress and trim them up with the flowers of rhetoric or eloquence, though it be much better to present truth in her native plainness than to hang her ears with counterfeit pearls. Yet the special, spiritual, powerful, and saving knowledge of the doctrines of the gospel is a secret, a mystery, yea, a hidden mystery to them. Chrysostom, or Chrysostom, compares the mysteries of Christ in regard of the wicked to a written book that the ignorant can neither read nor spell. He sees the cover, the leaves, and the letters, but he understands not the meaning of what he sees. He compares the mystery of grace to a dictated epistle, which an uneducated person viewing, he cannot read it. He cannot understand it. He knows it is paper and ink, but the sense, the matter, he knows not. He understands not. And so unsanctified persons, though they are ever so learned, and though they may perceive the bark of the mystery of Christ, yet they perceive not, they understand not the mystery of grace, the inward sense of the Spirit 
in the blessed scriptures. Though the devil be the greatest scholar in the world, and though he have more learning than all the men in the world have, yet there are many thousand secrets and mysteries in the gospel of grace that he knows not really, spiritually, feelingly, efficaciously, powerfully, thoroughly, savingly. Oh, but now Christ makes known himself, his mind, his grace, his truth to his people in a more clear, full, familiar, and friendly way. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy servants. So you read it in your books, but in the Hebrew it is thus. That was in Second Samuel 7. Lord, thou hast revealed this to the ear of thy servant. Now the emphasis lies in that word, to the ear, which is left out in your books. When God makes known himself to his people, he reveals things to their ears, as we used to do to a friend who is intimate with us. We, we speak a thing to his ear. There is many a secret which Jesus Christ speaks in the ears of his servants, which others never come to be acquainted with. God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The six several gradations or progressive movements that are in this scripture are worthy of our most serious consideration. Here is first, knowledge. Second, the knowledge of the glory of God. Third, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Fourth, shining. Fifth, shining into our hearts. And sixth, shining into our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ. And thus you see that the Lord reveals the secrets of himself, his kingdom, his truth, his grace, his glory to the saints. Thirdly, there are the secrets of his favor, the secrets of his special love that he bears to them, the secret purposes of his heart to save them. And these are those great secrets, those deep things of God, which none can reveal but the Spirit of God. Now, these great secrets, these deep things of God, God doth reveal to his people by his Spirit. It says, But God hath revealed unto them, them unto us, by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now, what are the things that are freely given to us of God? But our election, our vocation, our justification, our sanctification, and glorification. And why hath God given us his Spirit, but that we should know the things that are freely given to us of God? Some, by secret in the 25th Psalm, do understand a particular assurance of God's favors, whereby happiness is secured to us, both for the present and for the future. They understand by secret the sealing of the Spirit, the hidden manna, the white stone, and the new name in it, which none knoweth but he that hath it. And so much those words he will show them his covenant seem to import. For what greater secret can God impart to his people than that of opening the covenant of grace to them in its freeness, fullness, sureness, sweetness, suitableness, 
everlastingness, and in sealing up his good pleasure and all the spiritual and eternal blessings of the covenant to them. And such as love and serve the Lord shall be of his cabinet council. They shall know his soul secrets, and be admitted into a very gracious familiarity and friendship with him. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judah saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou would manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and make our abode with him. God and Christ will keep house with them, and manifest the secrets of their love to them that are observant of their commands. And thus you see that the saints are the only persons to whom God will reveal the secrets of his providence, the secrets of his kingdom, the secrets of his love unto. Christ came out of the bosom of his Father, and he opens all the secrets of his Father only to his bosom friends. Now, what an exceeding high honor is it for God to open the secrets of his love and promises and providences and counsels and covenant to his people. Tiberius Caesar thought no man that was fit to know his secrets. Among the Persians, none but noblemen, lords, and dukes might be made partakers. They esteemed secrecy a godhead, a divine thing, as Ammianus Marcellinus affirms. But now such honor God hath put upon all his saints as to make them lords and nobles and the only privy statesmen in the court of heaven. The highest honor and glory that earthly princes can put upon their subjects is to communicate to them their greatest secrets. Now, this high honor and glory the King of Kings has put upon his people. Psalm twenty-five, fourteen: The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Oh, it was a high honor to Elisha that he could tell the secrets that were spoken in the king's bedchamber. Oh, what an honor must it be then for the saints to know the secrets that are spoken in the presence chamber of the king of kings. Now I appeal to the very consciences of all that fear the Lord, whether it be not a just, equal, righteous, and necessary thing that the people of God should freely and fully lay open all the secrets of their hearts before the Lord, who hath thus highly honored them, as to reveal the secrets of his providence, kingdom, and favor to them. Yea, I appeal to all serious and ingenuous Christians, whether it be not against the light and law of nature, and against the law of love and law of friendship, to be reserved and close, yea, to hide our secrets from him, who reveals his greatest and our choicest secrets to us. And if it be why then do not you in secret lay open all your secret sins and wants and desires and fears to him that sees in secret? You know all secrets are to be communicated only in that private place. None but fools in folio. Folio describes a, a book of the largest standard size. Fools of the greatest magnitude is what he's saying. Only those kind of fools will communicate secrets upon a stage or before many. Well, I think you got the point there. Amen. 
Thank you for listening. And do look around our site, will you? Many, many other audios here that will be a blessing to you, I do believe. Well, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and this audio is being released on the 10th of February, 2023. Lord willing, we will talk again real soon. Bye-bye.